0: you want to be a podcaster, if you want to be unique and really grow an audience, like you have to try something totally different. You know, I I didn't see anyone else at the podcasting conference handing out custom printed stuff for people to take home that wouldn't end up in the trash. You know, everyone hands out business cards, and that's great. But like, you really have to look at what everyone's doing and do the opposite. So while people were handing out business cards and things that could be easily thrown away, like I'm handing out this plastic, really useful piece you know, that is going to be helpful for most people in the crowd.
1: Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters.
2: Hello, podcast friends, and welcome to Podcasting Smarter. I am your host, Jennifer Crawford, and today I am thrilled to be joined by the host of the Year of Purpose podcast and the author of the best-selling book, Life Rescripted. He is here today to not only help us podcast smarter, but to also podcast with a purpose. I am talking about Zephan Moses Blacksburg. Welcome to the show, Zephyr.
0: Hey, Jennifer, thanks for having me here.
2: Oh, it's a thrill to have you. And unlike a lot of my guests, you are a guest that I've actually had the pleasure of meeting in person. And so it is a real delight to have you on Podcasting Smarter.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, it's always cool to meet podcasters both, you know, over a Skype call or something like that. But when you actually get to meet them in person and say, hey, look, we can be friends in real life. It's not just on Facebook. It's really nice.
2: It's, it is really nice. So I want to hear about how you got into podcasting.
0: Yeah, so my podcast was actually inspired by some self-exploration. Uh, and to, to put it lightly, you know, I was really burnt out from the business that i had been running and took some time to teach myself travel hacking, and spent two months just traveling all around the U.S. Uh, and it was really to peel back the layers and see who I am as a person when you take away the securities of, you know, not having your car with you, not knowing where you're going to sleep the next night, or where lunch is going to come from. I mean, I had money, so it's not like I was stuck with nothing. But there's still a lot of uncomfortable that comes out of that. And ultimately, on the last day of my trip, the last part of my journey was a 3,000-mile road trip with my cousin around the country. And we came back on New Year's Day 2015. I'm kind of thinking about New Year's resolutions and what I wanted to do for the year. And the second we get home, I jump on Facebook. I see an article that says, 2015 to be a year of purpose for many people. And for a while, I had been listening to podcasts. You know, I had tuned into Pat Flynn's show. Uh, I listened to The Art of Charm. And I had just been using them as a resource, but I was always kind of interested in, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if something happened there? And as soon as I saw the title of that article, I said, that's it, the year of purpose. A, that's what I've been looking for. B, that's what I think most of my friends are looking for. And I think the best way to do that is to share it with everybody in a podcast was born.
2: Wow, that is quite a story. I love it. Now, with the podcast, do you, what have you learned about yourself from podcasting?
0: Uh, I've learned a ton. You know, I, being a videographer by trade, always hated listening to my own voice. Um, and so I've learned to be a little bit more okay with that, a little comfortable in your own skin. You know, so many people can go and look in the mirror and say, oh my gosh, is that what I look like? And it's like, but this is a real part of who you are. And so being able to, you know, not only hear your voice, uh, but also hear other people's voices um, really just allows you to be a little bit more comfortable in your own skin. And I think on top of that, um, you know, the people that you connect with uh, are from all over the world and, you know, they're all on this journey very similar to yours and sometimes very different. And to be able to hear those stories uh, and to be, you know, in that moment, say, oh, my gosh, like I had something happen very similar to me, I think uh, is just super rewarding. So, you know, I've changed both in hearing my own voice and being comfortable in my own skin, but also just in the people I've been able to connect with all around the world.
2: Well, so tell us a little bit about your guests. How do you how do you go about choosing them and finding them? What is your process?
0: Yeah, so when I first got started, I actually used a bit of a booking service to help me find people, uh, only because I really didn't know where to find them. I mean, I wanted to surround myself with people who had designed and created life on their own terms, uh, and you know, I I just wasn't sure where to go. So at first, I used a company that kind of did the research, but now uh, the bigger part for me is I'm looking at those people that are not necessarily you know, on Facebook all the time or on social media or out there giving talks. Uh, so a great example is there's an Instagram account called How Far From Home. Uh, and the two people that run that are absolutely fantastic human beings. And so I reached out over Instagram just through a message, I think, and found them and asked them to be on my show. And so you know, for me, I, I get kind of picky. I wanna have those stories that haven't been told before You know, I don't always want to interview someone who is going to go and be on 20 other shows within the next, you know, three to six months. Um, So while some people I have interviewed, you know, are are popular names, uh, some people you really haven't heard of. And I really try to mix that up because I want to find those people that are truly living life uh, and share their story with everyone.
2: Okay, so the podcast booking service, it sounds like it worked for you for a while until you sort of got your, kind of got more focused on the type of guest you were looking for. But for anybody that's curious, uh, can you uh, tell us the the booking service you used or how much it cost or anything like that for people that are going crazy trying to find guests?
0: Yeah, totally. So I was working with Jessica Rhodes over at Interview Connections, and I've actually knew her through her father because one of the first companies I worked at out of college uh, did a lot of work with her father. And so when she released Interview Connections, it seemed like the right fit. They did exactly, uh, you know, what I wanted. At the time when I took them on, you know, this was almost two years ago now, uh, it was cheap. It was only a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, So I can't speak as to what the price is right now. But, I mean, they did a fantastic job really doing the research and finding people that were good for my show. I think, you know, the downside to using any booking service is that typically you know, they're not just sending one person to one show and that's it. They're usually trying to get these people booked on, you know, five, six, maybe even ten shows. And so that was really the challenge for me when I decided to, to leave and do it on my own, was that, you know, it was a great resource for the first six months of episodes, uh, but I was really looking for people that the world just hadn't heard of yet.
2: I think you make a really good point, because I think... It's tempting to be attracted to high profile guests and think, oh, they're going to they're going to really help my downloads because my show is going to be associated with this big name. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. And sometimes I think there's more value found in somebody that's just interesting, that has a good story and who's also a really good fit for the premise of your show. It sounds like you did exactly that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think one of my favorite episodes, which actually probably has the worst audio, was I found a, a local guy here in Baltimore, Maryland, where I'm from, uh, through my roommate. And he runs these drum therapy circles. And he teaches people how they can use drumming and music as a form of therapy and stress relief. And I reached out to him and was like, hey, you know, what if we just like walked into the woods one day, took a couple drums with us, I'll bring a mic. We'll do some drumming and we'll actually, you know, we'll film it and give a live presentation. But then I'll interview you. And the crazy part about it was his episode, when it launched, I didn't realize that so many other people that I knew went on to reach out to him locally because they had just discovered that he existed and wanted to, you know, meet up with him or, you know, hire him for what he did. So it it was just so interesting to see how I could take someone who, you know, had, previously never really been heard of or at least wasn't on the podcast circuit at all and still, you know, provide value to them even after the podcast.
2: Oh my gosh, yeah, they can come on your podcast, uh somebody that's not famous and leave with a huge name. I mean, that's that's something. That's that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I saw this too when I finally got to meet Pat Flynn at Podcast Movement uh last year, you know, he invited me to be on his show and I just I had no clue how someone like me who, you know, I have a bit of a following and an audience through my podcast, but up until I had met him, uh, you know, I just watched it spike. I mean, a thousand people joined our email list that had never heard of me before. And so it's so neat to see how, you know, one podcast can really change the world for, for one person.
2: Yeah, that's an, that's an incredible power. All right. So, since you've been really focused on purpose in life, what does podcasting success look like for you personally?
0: So, when I started the podcast, to make it successful to me meant just getting the word out to as many people as possible. Uh, you know, I had never actually gone into it with the plan of This is a monetization strategy or anything like that. Like originally, the whole plan was just, you know, I want to get as many people across the entire world listening to this, uh, you know, as quickly as possible and also just to hear, you know, as many episodes as possible. So success for me was hitting that first thousand downloads mark and then 10,000 downloads and just seeing it grow exponentially from there. Uh, You know, success was really marked more by uh, how many people in different places have I been able to reach? Uh, And, you know, ever since it started, I've gotten emails from as far away as Scotland, uh, you know, and other countries, uh, just all across Europe. So to get those emails from the other side of the planet uh, really speaks success to me. You know, it, it was more important to get a message out there than it was to get a dollar in my pocket.
2: I understand. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, what strategies did you use to find that audience?
0: Yeah, so, you know, originally I did some research on what it meant to hit the new and noteworthy list, uh, you know, what that could do for you. And I think a lot of people put way too much weight in thinking, you know, oh, I have to hit the front page of iTunes. That's the only way the podcast is going to become successful. Uh, I actually took a strategy from one of my old employers. His name is Bill Glazer, and he wrote a book called Outrageous Advertising That's Outrageously Successful. And I really kind of come from it with like the guerrilla marketing tactics. So, you know, going to a podcasting conference, I knew that there were going to be 1,100 people that all listen to podcasts that all also have most likely one problem in common. And that is that their earbuds are going to get tangled in their bag when they take the plane to fly out here. And so I thought if I could come up with a solution that not only would remind them every time that they take out their earbuds to check out my podcast, but you know, if I could open up a conversation with them and really sell them on the show, uh, you know, then that would be a great way to increase the audience. And so I found these little cable wrapper things that you could custom print your website on, printed my podcast uh, website address onto it, and gave out 300 of them at a conference. And I don't think I've ever met 300 people in one conference ever. And on top of that, because I ran out... I handed out an additional 200 business cards because everybody started coming and finding me and saying, hey, I heard you're the guy who's, you know, handing out these little things to wrap up your earbuds so they don't get tangled. Like, do you have any more left? And unfortunately, I didn't. But I love to come from, you know, the direction of this guerrilla marketing where I can really meet the people, uh, you know, and and learn from them and hear where they're at, because it's just It's just more firepower to go back and and put great content into the show later on because you find out what they really want.
2: I love guerrilla marketing personally. Do you know what I did one time? What's that? This is, uh, feel free to steal this idea, anybody. Um, I was at the Verizon store uh, upgrading my phone and it was taking forever. So I went to all the phones, tablets, anything they had with a screen and I uh, put it set it on um, either my this my podcast website or you know the iTunes nice. <laughs> subscription page for for my podcast and put it on every single phone and I was very happy that I did that um, I thought that was really gutsy guerrilla marketing
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know I used to work at the Apple store that would probably be frowned upon when I worked there but Uh, Now that you say it, it's not the worst idea.
2: (laughs) It's not a bad idea. I think of all the, yeah, an Apple store is another great store. Uh, We have a place called Micro Center near me, which again, another, another place with a lot of screens. I mean, why not? And those are also places that you have to wait. And so I felt justified in doing it because, I mean, I was just waiting forever and I already knew what I wanted, so I wasn't shopping anymore. And I just was getting bored. So anyway, guerrilla marketing. I you know what? It's it's really smart to think creatively with your podcast. Do you have any other instances where you've thought creatively and had a good outcome from it?
0: Um, you know, I I'd like to always think of myself as a creative thinker, but I think that um it, one of the most creative things that we did do for our show and this has been, you know, with the help of quite a few people Uh, So I have to throw out John Nip from Avenues Audio. He's going to be producing episode 150 for me. Um, But the most creative thing we're going to do is episode 150, where uh, as kind of like a a way of honoring the last lecture, if you've ever seen that video by Randy Pausch on YouTube, uh, we're actually making the last podcast. And what it would be is, you know, it's the podcast of everything I'd ever want to say, you know, if it were my last podcast to ever be on. Uh, and on top of that, you know, we're actually going in and implementing a bunch of sound bites from the past 149 episodes into it. So um, it's, it's going to be really cool. Uh, it's going to be really creative. And I love using kind of like a pattern interrupt like that in the podcast itself so that it's not just the same thing week after week coming out.
2: Wow, that sounds really interesting. It also sounds like a lot of work.
0: It does and it doesn't. Um. The cool thing was I had an intern over the summer who was very patient and willing to listen to all of my podcast episodes and take notes. Um, So he was very amazing with pulling out some of the most important quotes from different episodes and people that I interviewed and giving me the timestamps for them. So it's very easy to just jump back and say, Hey, I want to insert this quote here. Uh, You know, here's the timestamp in that episode and we just pull it right out. Um, And then what we did was we, packed together some of the best quotes and then created a script of interview questions that, uh, John's going to interview me with in studio. Um, and so really it's a matter of, you know, one to two hour interview, and then we've already got it scripted out where those quotes are going to go into place. Uh, so really once the interview is done, just putting some nice music and transitional pieces under it. Um, so compared to serial or something where, you know, you're producing this, this huge production. Um, you know, it, it's not a lot of work, but yes, for someone who's used to doing like a 30 minute interview and just slapping an intro and an outro onto it, yeah, it's definitely a little bit more work. But, you know, for me, it, it all goes back to that whole getting the message out there and just trying to reach more people.
2: Yeah, exactly. Now, you mentioned the pattern interrupt. I, w- I wanted to hear a little bit more about that and for for somebody who hasn't heard that term before um like where how should they can what does it mean and how should they use it in their podcast?
0: Yeah, so I mean this can be used in a ton of different ways. One of the best ways that I use it is really in my line of questioning in the podcast. So, you know, I actually don't script any of my questions out. It's been really funny because a lot of my guests uh you know will ask me beforehand, "Hey, do you have a list of questions?" I'm like No, when I did that, I was getting pretty bad answers, so I just kind of interview off the top of my head. But I utilize the pattern interrupt when I'm in an interview, and I feel as though it could be at a place where, you know, if someone's in the car listening or, you know, just somewhere where they might tune out and stop paying attention, I use it to ask a question that's either totally out of left field or, like, take a minute to break and, like, tell my own personal story that might be related to what we're talking about. Just something that you can use to kind of break people's attention and bring them back in because, you know, it, we live in a world now where so many people can only focus for, you know, three or four seconds at a time. And so to sit there and listen to an episode that's, you know, 30, 40 minutes, uh, it, it's really tough to, to gain everything out of it when you're listening to it the first time. So using that pattern interrupt really allows you to reel them back in and gain their attention again. Uh, and it's also something we've, I've used for entire episodes. Uh, I took, I think, either a four or five episode break from interviewing people and instead kind of interviewed myself and and just record some of my personal story over the past year. Uh, And that was kind of interesting to see where the numbers went on that one, because it was totally different from what we had done before. So the pattern interrupt is huge, and it's really just meant to kind of knock people out of, uh, you know, that place of uh, tuning out and, and bring them back in.
2: I think it's really good advice because I've certainly had podcasts that I listened to that were my favorite podcasts. And then over time, I would end up getting bored with them. And I'd be like, well, why am I getting bored with this podcast I used to love? And it, I think it's because they never changed anything. And I was kind of just ready to move on because it got a little monotonous. So maybe if they'd used that pattern interrupt technique, I would have... Um, I would have subscribed for a longer period of time. <laughs> yeah, and a, yeah.
0: another good example of that, too, uh, is, you know, I actually live really close to some train tracks, and I don't use this strategy, but my friend Brian Jury from the Overcoming Graduation podcast uh, has a train outside his house, too, and every time it goes by, like, without fail in the middle of a podcast episode, he uses that to mention, hey, guys, the train's going by. You know, I'm taking a break to let you know this episode is sponsored by, you know, XYZ. And so that's really just another great way to to take advantage of any noises that could come in uh, during your episode. You know, I also tend to record in the middle of the day, sometimes when people come out and mow their grass. I feel like there's been probably 18 or 19 episodes where someone just decides it's the right time to mow their grass in the middle of my episode. Uh, And so, you know, being able to leverage that stuff and admit that, you know, we don't, we might not be recording in a perfect sound studio in a, in a perfectly silent place, uh, you know, just kind of gets people's heads back in the game and listening.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what do you do well as a podcaster? And what do you think you could do better?
0: So I think the one thing that I do really well has been what a lot of people have kind of told me has been From the interview standpoint, you know, I'm a videographer, so I'm used to interviewing people on camera and really getting to those answers uh, that I really want, as opposed to just kind of getting the generic answer that everyone else is going to get. So I think, you know, in my opinion, probably my strongest suit is getting the answers that people really want to hear, you know, instead of kind of that scripted speech that you might hear when someone gives a talk. Uh, So, you know, I think getting to the answers. And then from... The weaker side, I think, kind of all the back end stuff that has to happen after the interview, like staying up with people, letting them know when their episode is live, you know, sending them something nice in the mail, uh, getting the blog post up on the website, getting all the social media stuff done. Like, I love the interview stuff. I wish I had someone full time who could just like handle the everything else outside of that, because I'll talk to people and meet people across the world all day long. Uh, but I'm definitely weaker when it comes to, you know, being organized and efficient on the back end once the episode's recorded.
2: Yeah, I hear you. Okay, so I know you have a lot of travel hack tips, but do you have any podcasting hacks that you use?
0: Um, let's see. I, I'm sure I do, and I might not even notice. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I. One quick little thing that I think everyone should do is, you know, at the end of your episode, if you're interviewing somebody, uh, if you ask them if they could think of one or two people that they think would be good to be on your show as well, it's a very easy way to generate that momentum and not have to worry about, you know, getting a booking service to handle stuff for you. Um, You know, so I don't know if that's really a hack, but I think it's a really good suggestion. Um, And then on top of that, you know, I... I put up some soundproofing in my room where I interview so I can make sure it sounds a little bit better. So, uh, you know, if you go on Amazon.com for like 30 bucks, you can get some really nice soundproofing foam. And uh, it, it just makes all the difference in a, when you have a huge vaulted ceiling because the sound can echo everywhere. Um, and so making it sound really nice and clear uh, helps big time.
2: Nice. All right. So this is a question for the, the brand new podcaster. What is one piece of advice? If you could only give one piece of advice, what would you say to the podcaster who is just starting out?
0: Yeah, I think the best piece of advice I would say is not to follow the path of what everyone else is doing. You know, when I first started Googling and trying to do my research on starting a podcast, Uh, Everyone was like, oh, you have to hit the new and noteworthy list, and you only have eight weeks when you get started, and it's, you know, all this pressure, and it just, you know, if you follow the way that everyone else did it, or everyone's saying to do it, you know, you're not going to get the same exact results as someone else might have. And this is something that I've learned both in the podcasting world and in business. I've seen so many business owners say, you know, this person did this this exact way, and we have to do it this exact way so that we can get the same results. Um, And I don't think that's the way to go about doing it. I think if you want to be a podcaster, if you want to be unique and really grow an audience, like you have to try something totally different. You know, I, I didn't see anyone else at the podcasting conference handing out custom printed stuff for people to take home that wouldn't end up in the trash. You know, everyone hands out business cards and that's great. But like, you really have to look at what everyone's doing and do the opposite. So while people were handing out business cards and things that could be easily thrown away, like I'm handing out this plastic, really useful piece, you know, that is going to be helpful for most people in the crowd. Um, And that's really how a lot of things have been for me, you know, being a videographer and photographer, I was also taught, you know, look at where everyone else is and then do the opposite. So even at weddings, when people are taking photos, I actually tend to be on the complete opposite side of the room getting a totally different shot. And that's just been something through, through filmmaking and taking photos that's really stuck with me. Uh, both in business and in podcasting, is just look around, see what everyone's doing and try something totally different.
2: That's great advice. All right. Are you ready for a couple of fun questions?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
2: Okay. Um, What person, living or dead, do you wish had a podcast?
0: I would have to go with, and this is this came to me very quick, is Alan Watts. Uh, he was ah. a really great philosopher, yep. and just there's so many motivational and inspirational clips on YouTube where people have taken his talks and and put it to music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he was really someone who just totally got it. He understood what life was about and was all for you know explaining and sharing with everyone. Um, and so I'd love to wake up and hear a podcast episode from him on the daily.
2: yeah, I've heard I've heard him, and um, that's a, that's a great choice, and we haven't had him yet. So he's added to the fantasy podcaster list. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other question I have for you is, if there was a podcast about your life, Zephin, what would it be called?
0: Uh, okay, so, I would probably say, have you ever heard of the book? It's called The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. I have to look it up. But I would say from the toilet to entrepreneur, because what many people don't know about me was that when my mom went into labor with me, uh, I popped out feet first into the toilet. Um, And so I was actually resuscitated at birth by the volunteer fire department. and, And my life was saved at the point I was born. And going from, you know, the potential to not be here to, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur before age 25, creating a successful business and doing what I do. I, I just I think that would have to be it.
2: I just have to say it again. <laughs> the title is so great. From the toilet to entrepreneur is a podcast that I would listen to. (laughs) This has got to be added to your to-do list, Zephan. I think you have to make this one happen. Okay. (laughs) I love it. And it's funny, I love this question, because every single time I've gotten an answer, every single one has been a great title for a podcast. Um, all right, Zephin. So I want to tell everyone that they can listen to your amazing podcast, The Year of Purpose, on Podbean. You can find Zephin at yearofpurpose.com. You can also listen on pretty much any place that you listen to podcasts, including iTunes and Stitcher. Um, and please check out Life Rescripted, particularly if you're looking to reinvent yourself, find your reason, for living. If you just need to jumpstart a little bit your life, um, it is an amazing book and it's already a bestseller. So you know, it's good. I really appreciate your time, Zephan. You shared a lot of wisdom and I know this is going to be one of those episodes that people are going to be taking notes while they listen.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much again for having me here. And you know, to anyone who's tuning in, if you're someone who's considering launching a podcast, I think it's time to do it. Uh, there's there's this one quote that I want to leave everyone with, and it was basically something along the lines of, hey, do you remember that one thing that you always really wanted to do? You should go do it. Uh, because that's really been the theme of my life is there were so many things that I wanted to do and I've been holding myself back. And where the travel hacking and that whole adventure and the podcast and the book all came in was when I started to decide to do the things that I'd always wanted to do.
2: I love it. So everybody go out there and do that podcast you've always wanted to do, Zephan and I will definitely be downloading it. Thanks again, Zephin.
1: Thanks. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting!